another episode of Thick and Thin Hoops, where ball is always life. I'm your host, Karthik, here with my co-host, Nidham. What's good, Nidham? What's up, man? We uh, we were joking on text earlier today that it looks like the NFL is, is taking the NBA's corner in terms of just eye-popping news between games, and uh, we got a lot of it this week, but... Um, but yeah, I think the NBA is in full swing. I feel like right now Hornets, uh, Warriors are going on. I feel like um, every night I'm still finding my way a little bit. You know, like I'm, we do the spreads thing weekly, and you're trying to decide, okay, who who's looked good, who's not, and it's so Jekyll and Hyde for almost, you know, a lot of teams. Even the good ones are five and three, right, or four and four, and so that's typical. But I think this year, more than most, it feels like the variance is at a at a premium. I want to go back and dig up every message you sent me, everything you've said in the last couple of weeks, the overreactions. And and I kept saying, you know, like when you were talking about the Cleveland Cavs making the finals or, um, you know, what are, uh, what are the, that is probably the smartest <laughs> thing I have said. The, the Cavs look awesome. They just beat the Blazers tonight. Uh, your boy Dame went 10 of 27. Why is it I my boy big, Dame? I know you're a big Dame fan. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but they look great, actually. Uh, the the thing that I'm most proud of in this whole world is my Cavs over right now. Yeah. Okay. That one is not a good example. But who? There are some teams that have fallen off. I since, said the Wizards the were gonna. Start. The Wizards were gonna win a playoff series, and right now I'm I'm questioning that one. They do look fine. They look competent, but they're not winning a playoff series. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that we knew. We knew that. Everyone but you knew that. So yeah. Um, right. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, speaking of the NFL, like Aaron Rodgers, you know, I mean, we we were dealing with Kyrie and all the the COVID hoopla around him, and it's finally a big name in the NFL. And the way it kind of got it, it trickled out, I think, is the big story here, right? Because we've seen a lot of quarterbacks not get vaccinated. But yeah, I want to touch on this for a second because for all the shit we gave Kyrie, for all the shit we gave Cole Beasley. Or the quarterbacks, like you mentioned, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, they at least Kirk Cousins, they at least had the balls to to from the start say, "Hey, this is my position, and this is why I feel the way I do." And whether you thought that explanation was insane or idiotic or uninformed, whatever you felt, that was their position. They made it clear. This motherfucker who always thinks he's smarter than the world, who always portrays himself as a guy who is you know, on a different plane of intelligence, really tried to pull the ultimate fast one on the whole world with his press conference back in August saying, what was it he said? Because the thing is, they asked, are you vaccinated? And he said, yeah, I'm immunized. So it wasn't like he diverted and just said, I'm immunized. He said, yeah, I'm immunized. Knowing at the time that the league did not approve whatever homeopathic, you know, shout out to the villages of India type thing that he had gotten, you know, injected in his body to improve his antibodies they'd already not allowed this he was an unvaccinated player and he apparently were was following some of the protocols but we also saw that he wasn't doing a lot of that in press conferences on the sidelines and look you can have whatever take you want about the vaccine and mandates etc but it is pretty dishonorable it's unethical not just to lie about it from the public standpoint but to put reporters put people on the sidelines others in jeopardy who you may, you know, they're under the assumption dealing with you, talking to you that you're vaccinated and for you not to say that you are for what public uh, scrutiny to avoid that or guys are giving up millions of dollars because they believe in it. You know, I think it's pathetic uh, and I love Rogers. I think it's absolutely pathetic. And to make comments about other players and their in vaccination, right? Like he in that same interview uh, where he said he's immunized, um, he meant he talked about some of that stuff. So. I agree. It's not a good look. Uh, as a Bucks fan, I'm happy because he's going to miss a game, potentially two, and th- that one seed. You know, it's it, it's a big race to that one seed in the NFC. But it's it's just funny, man, because we haven't seen this. The Kyrie's become the the villain and the poster child for the NBA, and the NFL. Like Kirk Cousins is a big isn't big enough of a name. Cole Beasley isn't. But this news, like this, is huge. This and is huge. and all that, you know, there's so many tweets coming out on like. What he said, you know, were, was he following protocols? Did the team know? Did the league know? Uh, and it's... They must have known, right? Because they rejected his, his like, submission to say, hey, this should count as being vaccinated. They said no. Yeah, and even, well, even if they didn't know, they're going to say they knew. 
and so was the team because yeah. all of a sudden, if they say they don't know, then they have to put come down with a harsher penalty um, or do something, right? And they don't want to open up that can of worms because the reality is, look, if, if Rodgers got away with it, um, there could be other players too, right, that weren't following those protocols to a T, and I don't think this is a singular case. But I think the fact that the, what's unique about this, like you said, is that he didn't own up to it like a lot of other players. And that, in a way, is worse for sure. It's, it's 100% worse. No, he's the only guy in the league that would pull this. Him and maybe Brady, because Brady's TB12 would have had some like avocado cream that like was more effective than Pfizer and Moderna put together. But aside from those two, and really just Rodgers is the kind of guy who would do it. Nobody else is pulling this kind of stunt. Nobody else has like the you know, the the cachet to be able to do this. I think it is absolutely worse. Like, if you're Lamar Jackson or you're uh, Kyrie Irving and you say, okay, I don't want to get vaccinated, there is a clear set of repercussions, of consequences, of fallout because of that, but you're willing to live to that, right? Like, if Lamar Jackson tests positive again for, like, the ninth time, if he gets COVID, he'll miss a game check, and he understands that, right? But – Everyone around him also knows he's not vaccinated. So that comes with certain requirements. With Kyrie, it's like, hey, he's foregoing $16 million to to stand up to his beliefs. And you and I are both obviously pro-vaccine about as strongly as you can be. Uh, That doesn't mean we're not going to interact with people who who have not taken it, right? That doesn't mean we're going to – every single person in the world is going to feel exactly how we do. But at least those people are willing to stand up to what they're thinking versus this type of devious ploy, which, you know – I I honestly couldn't believe it because when he tested positive, I just – in my back of my mind, I was tracking what people were saying in like August in training camp. I was like, oh, he must have been like Devontae Adams where he got it, but he's vaccinated, so he'll probably play. And then they're like, he's out. And that – you know, when, he, when, you're, when you get ruled out from the jump, that means you didn't, right? Because yep. you have to be out a minimum of 10 days, and then you know. And so I don't know, man. I – doesn't change anything like nothing matters right nothing matters in the world we know this but at the same time it definitely leaves like a pretty sour taste in the mouth of a guy who's allegedly a leader and and someone who is is supposed to be all for the team and you know talked about a competitive advantage from a high vaccine rate in in the summer too and talk about the heel turn i mean last thursday beat that cardinals team undermanned right got a lot of credit for that and all of a sudden everything was flipped on him um, yep. So I, it it is what it is, but it's uh, I, I think it it was so funny just how the that story dominated the news cycle, and you yeah. only see that with the NBA, where it's like literally fifteen or twenty tweets that roll out through the course of a day about some given situation. That's what it felt like following. It's like you're refreshing your page just to see wait what is happening with with yeah. Rodgers, but. Yeah, and we had like a pretty tepid trade deadline aside from uh, the Von Miller move, um, which I guess happened a day before. Um, you know, I don't want to touch on the Henry Rugg stuff. It's tragic. It's terrible. We we can move on. But the the Rodgers news is is interesting because, again, we're robbed of Mahomes Rodgers for like I think the fourth <laughs> yeah, time yeah. if you think about how close both players were to playing each other, including the last two Super Bowls. So, um, you know, maybe – you know, I think it's funny because Stephen A was getting a lot of flack today because he was skewering Kyrie. And with with Rodgers, he's like, oh, it's just one game. And there was this, um, you know, frankly, kind of an ugly dichotomy with the way those two stories were covered. Um, neither did anything different. If Kyrie was playing for the Wizards, right, if he was Bradley Beal, who's unvaccinated, right, Kyrie would be playing every game. There wouldn't be any problem. He just happens to play in New York City. That's not something he could have predicted. Um, so... Yeah, but I think I think the reason is we want our athletes. I mean, they're getting paid millions to play this game, and so when they're not willing to step to the court and get vaccinated in order to play, like if, if Aaron Rodgers, for example, couldn't play this season because of that, and he did play, I think he'd get way more scrutiny, right? So yeah, do you? Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Do you give a guy like Kyrie more credit then for even if you totally disagree with the stance? Do you give him more credit for? actually going that far to be missing real game checks for no. what he believes in. No, I don't give him more credit because you're just doubling down on your stupidity. Like I'm going to give Andrew Wiggins more credit for getting it. And yeah, his reasons maybe yeah, they, they held me against the wall and jabbed a, a needle in my arm, but that was effectively how he was describing <laughs> what went down. Like, yeah, I don't I'm not know what, give the what guy you guys are for standing playing. behind, like just completely ridiculous beliefs like that. You shouldn't give people credit for that. So, when you talk about Beasley and Cousins and all that, 
I don't give them more credit. I just give Rodgers much less for trying to lie about it and skirt around it. This no, Rodgers is the worst version of the non-vax crowd. Yeah. For sure. Cousins, Wentz, whatever, these guys. Wentz is like the most – literally, <laughs> he is more um, diligent about his mask wearing than anybody I've ever seen. Even Dr. Fauci is like, damn, I wish I could wear my mask as diligently and often as Yeah, he's Carson always Wentz. in that mask. He will sure. come off the field from throwing a touchdown and have the mask on within three seconds. It's amazing. <laughs> It is really like, hey, look, if you're not going to get it, this is the next best thing, right? Like yeah, at least exactly. protecting others from that purpose. So, um, all right. So let's move on to actual basketball. We had put up on Instagram uh, to send us some questions. We got some good ones that we're going to cycle through. I think we'll probably use those as springboards to just talk about the league in general as we have. Um, so what have we got with the first question and where are we headed around the league? All right. So the first question, this is from our boy Nahal out in Pasadena. Uh, and he asks, I mean, just so everyone remembers, this year the NBA started a new contract with Wilson instead of Spalding for the, the basketball. And so they've switched to a new ball. And Nahal asks, has the ball switch from Spalding to Wilson, um, do you think certain players have benefited or hurt, been hurt by that new ball? Um, given that there's actually... A lot of players who are on hot shooting streaks and players who are also not shooting as well as they've typically shot. And so how much do you think that ball is contributing to that? And what are some of those players? So whatever the bubble is, this is the exact opposite, I think, what's going on right now. Like, yes, there's some guys like DeMar DeRozan looks like prime Michael Jordan, especially in the red and black in Chicago. But for the most part, there are a lot of guys who are struggling immensely and a lot of shooters, right? Um, so I, one thing I would say is it's hard to decouple the differences between the ball and the fouling, the, the new foul rules and how that changes the style of play and like guys in their own heads. You know, there's some element of fans being back every night in full and what that means. Um, there's a lot of nuances to the season. It's a short off season, so it's like hard to tell exactly what the factor is. So for me to say, OK, it's definitely the ball. I definitely think it's something. This is not noise. Right. So I uh, looked up 10 guys who are you could argue are elite offensive players uh all of them except one i think averaged 25 points per game or more last season the, the other guy was michael porter jr who everyone expected him to and let me just read you true shooting percentage which accounts for three pointers two pointers and free throws last season versus this season the drop in percentage so michael porter jr is down 25 percent from last year dame lillard Fresh off almost costing us a gold medal. He's down 16%. De'Aaron Fox, your boy, who's supposed to be, you know, John Wall is supposed to be his assistant, according to you. He's down 14%. Bradley Beal, down 13%. Jason Tatum, who goes 5 of 28 and gets a ton of sneers from all his teammates every night. He's down 10 Devin Booker, 9%. Luka Doncic, 8%. Trey Young, 6%. Steph Curry, who's leading the league in scoring. He's down over 5% and James Harden 5%. The Harden number actually surprised me because he started off so poorly, but he's picked it up the last couple of games. Um, but you can see like basically anybody who, and this doesn't account for guys like Donovan Mitchell, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Julius Randle, they're all down two or 3%. I looked through all of these guys and whether it's the ball, whether it's the foul, I don't know what's going on. I do think there's a bit of an adjustment period, but it, it, I was thinking they probably didn't even have much time. To practice with this new thing um and that's probably attributed to it so i'd like to think it's the ball because it's that's more of a fun narrative at the same time you're talking about true shooting percentage when you're taking fewer free throws as every player is and free throws seem to be down i haven't looked at the stats but it just i test and from some spot checks a lot of players are shooting fewer free throws doesn't your free throw percentage help inflate true shooting because you're shooting yeah, such a high a good, percentage. If, so if you're a good I, free throw shooter, absolutely. So naturally, as the mix moves more towards threes and twos and away from free throws, everyone's true shooting percentage is going to go down. So I think that is going to explain a lot of it. Um, yes. And then there's a little bit that probably gets affected by um, the, the ball itself. But, but the other question is, do you think there are players, Tyler Hero, for example, who was a bubble hero... No pun intended. And uh, but now last season really struggled. It. Part of that, of course, COVID and, and different different things. But 
this season he's shooting lights out. And there are a couple other guys you look across the league, who Harrison Barnes, who are shooting better than they've ever shot in their careers. Do you think those guys are benefiting from the ball? Like it just feels better in their hands. They're well. So let me. First thing you said is the free throw thing is absolutely uh, true. So I just looked up three or four guys as we were talking, and they're all way down on free throw rate. So we know they're all great free throw shooters, eighty five percent plus. So that's going to have a big impact. That being said, field goal percentage as a whole around the league is the lowest since it was 2004 and three-point percentage is lowest since like 2000 or 2001 or something like that. So we know there is a shooting problem across the league. Hero, DeRozan, Ja Morant, like guys who have really taken that next level. Kevin Durant, of course, who looks awesome no matter what they're fucking – they could put a rock in his hand and he'd still, he's still getting 30. There are certain guys who have this not really affected – I don't know. I think it's probably just chance, right? Not every single player in the league is going to be worse. Um, and the fact is the predominance of players are shooting the ball more poorly. I think the foul rules, to your point, even uh, you know, subconsciously have a bigger impact, though, than the ball um, because you're talking about changing your style of play. You're talking about you know, Trey Young's trying to shoot a three. Half the time, he's not even just trying to shoot. He's trying to kick his legs out. He's trying to get the foul call. He's trying to get three free throws. When you're doing that, you're not getting the call. You're also not putting up a good shot. You're going to miss more likely, right? So I think there's some of that as well. Um, Like I said, it's hard to decouple all of it, but it's absolutely intertwined. And you know what? I'm here for I think it's a net positive to the game, the speed at which we're playing, the pace uh, in terms of actual clock time, and then just not sitting and watching, you know, James Harden go 17 of 18 every night. That's not fun. Yeah, these guys will all adjust. That's the thing. You know, what lends more um, credibility to the ball theory, too, is that why did Lillard suffer in the Olympics and at the beginning of the season? Well, guess what? The Olympics also, they use a different ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so maybe, you know, maybe it's, it is something that bothers him. Uh, and there are guys who are bothered by it across the league. But Dude, Bradley Beal is shooting like Bradley Beal is shooting like under 20% on wide open threes this season. Wow. It's we can't hit anything. The team is 29th in the league on wide open threes. We're shooting like 26% as a team. And you guys are still five and three. Still five and three. But the point being, there's some guys who are alleged marksmen or near marksmen that are struggling. Even Steph is shooting his lowest three point percentage in I don't know how many years. Yeah, that one is actually kind of surprising to me because. He started off looking the season really good, and how shooting percentages have dipped a little, uh, although the yeah. Warriors continue to win. So, all right, okay. Well, I think we're going to see how this plays out the rest of the season, but it is something to watch. And if some of these guys start regressing back to the mean, or if yeah. this is a longer-term trend. Do you think, really quickly on the balls, in terms of them not having enough time to practice, do you think this is a supply chain issue? <laughs> like, as someone who is a victim of the global supply chain shortages uh still doesn't have a bed to sleep on you think like pottery barn just wasn't making balls fast enough to get into all the gyms in the off season and like they actually they didn't have any practice time and they just had to use the old spalding ones no <laughs> that would be funny actually um but I, I mean assuming wilson just got this new deal you'd think they'd have all the balls ready to go ready to supply all these teams right at the beginning of the season you try getting leather in the year 2021. It's not easy. Maybe maybe, maybe they're tossing him the Wilson Evo instead. Oh, that's a nice ball. The, the Evo, it's funny because a lot of people were like, oh, we're switching the Wilson. That means they're playing with the Evo. It's like, dude, if you gave the NBA players an Evo, it would literally be like their ball was connected to their hand. Like that is not <laughs> – it would be like MLB players with aluminum bats. Like you can't do that. It would just – it would be a joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like my shots with the Evo are, are, are pretty sweet. Like I, you, you were looking Kevin good Durant? a couple weeks ago. I was throwing <laughs> up in the bathroom during the game. But <laughs> you, you well, the last game, you you walked out like three plays in with a mysterious hand injury. Yeah, like... <laughs> non-shooting thumb was injured, and I immediately needed surgery and had to leave the floor. I was just dying for me to get hurt. Like I was just hoping my finger <laughs> yeah. would get jammed. Any on something. excuse, any excuse. Yeah. All right, what's next? Next, this is from our boy Wallace out in Chicago. He asks, the New York Knicks, is this the best front court we've seen since the 80s Celtics? Wow. That is really (laughs) high praise. Um, I'm probably going to say no off the top of my head. 
you know, thinking uh, this got me thinking about some pretty good front courts. Um, and Actually, his question just to correct it, it was the most dynamic front court. I don't know how oh, that changes dynamic. your answer, but dynamic. Still, probably no. Um, I'm guessing since they're five and three and and pretty much uh, going to be a solid playoff team. But so what we're, we're talking about: Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, right? To mm-hmm. to R.J.'s credit, he has turned into a very very good shooter which was not the case at all coming into Duke. He was oh, sorry, coming into the NBA from Duke. People thought he was a chucker, people thought he was inefficient and he just got his points because he got 20 shots a game. And he's shooting 43% this year on seven uh, I'm sorry, on six threes a game. That is amazing. Uh Randall is somewhat picking up where he left off, you know, the numbers are a little bit down, but that's to be expected with Kemba and Fournier and others. In terms of most dynamics since the 80s Celtics, I'm going to put them a notch below a few few of them. So so hear me out here. The O2 Kings, right? Divac, okay. Weber, Stojakovic. Um that one was pretty good, right? How mm-hmm. about the uh you know, those O5 Suns? We want to talk dynamic. Amari Stoudemire, mm-hmm. uh Sean Marion, and then jo- uh, Joe Johnson, right before he went to the Hawks. Or you could That's put in Quentin good. Richardson, de- depending on where you want to when you want to account for. Um, you know, I bet the Knicks from the '90s: Ewing, Charles Oakley, Latrell Sprewell, some of those guys. Those are all good. So those are all good. So I got I got to tell Wallace, like I I think I love what the Knicks are doing this season. I think they're gonna be in the mix to maybe win around uh, the playoffs, but tier two in terms of uh, most dynamic front courts we've ever seen. Yeah, and if we're talking the Celtics, I mean, come on, McHale, Parrish, Bird, like that's, it's hard to beat that, anyways. But what what yeah. I, what I love about this question is this is a this captures the essence of the New York the Knicks big, fans. This is the Bing Bong question. This is the big Bong Bing Bong question. It's like, is Julius Randle a top five player of all time? But it's like the the hype, the enthusiasm around the Knicks right now is at an all time high. And you know what, the NBA is better off for it. You know, side story, I actually. When the Kings were potentially moving to, um, what was it, Virginia Beach at one point, Seattle. Yeah. There was that year where there were a lot of rumors, and it was looked like it was a done deal unless someone came and saved Sacramento at the last minute, which Vivek ended up doing. At that point, it's like, look, if the Kings moved to some completely random city like Virginia Beach, like why would I be a fan? Like It makes no sense. There's no ties. And right. I use that as an opportunity to think about what team could I become a fan of? And my, mm-hmm. what I was going to do is become a fan of the Knicks because big market team. So I'd always see them on TV. They sucked at that time. So I'm not going to get, uh, you know, accused of accused being a band. Of being a band. Yeah. And then uh, for a while, I was like, man, the next 10 years were still eight, 10 years were still really bad for the Knicks. But seeing the fan base now and how much excitement they get out of even just having a solid team, I think it would have been a good choice. Like it would be fun it- to be a Knicks fan. It, it's funny you say that because I went to a Knicks game in 2000 and uh, I want to say 17 or 18 and the Knicks sucked, right? And the Nets sucked. It was Knicks-Nets in, in MSG. And I think this was the year before the Nets like had that D'Angelo Russell run to the playoffs. So it was like well yep. before Kyrie and KD and stuff. And the Knicks were terrible and they were down like 15 in the fourth and they made a huge run to cut it to like one or two. And the place was like a playoff game. And it was unbelievable just to be there for like that five, 10 minute stretch where it looked like they were going to win. Again, they were, this was the year that they picked RJ Barrett. So they were, you know, finishing top five and they're that bad. And I would never forget, like, it's like, this is what basketball is supposed to be, right? This is what an arena of this magnitude, this team's supposed to be. Can you imagine if Durant just went there? And do you think he he? Do you think he thinks about that? Given the fucking shit show he has with Brooklyn right now. Well, I mean, given how competitive he is, I don't know if he'd want that. But that guy and how much he loves basketball, he'd go down as just a literal god. Um, yeah, I mean, you already see how they worship Julius Randle and uh, this whole team, right? A guy like Kevin Durant, who's all about his business, every night is putting on a show, right? We're talking about Madison Square Garden, like when Carmelo was in his prime. Some of those games, like he was, it would be Carmelo on steroids. Yeah, and he thrived off that energy. Like I think Kevin Durant's yeah. a guy who would have been a great fit 
Uh, it's just the timing didn't work out. You know, if the Knicks were a little bit better, maybe, but um, the stars didn't align. But I would have loved to see KD in New York. Man, the only the only uh, argument for it is that he had a gap year anyway with the Achilles, so he could have signed there and figured it out in a year. Spent that year recruiting guys, like whatever, and then gone after it the next summer. Yeah, but or, you know, there's uncertainty then, right? He went into Brooklyn knowing he was getting Kyrie. Well, LeBron had uncertainty going into L.A., and he banked on being able to get the second star a year later, and you got Davis. So you'd have to think, like, yeah, I mean, LeBron is a has different some... kind of pull. LeBron is a different kind of pull. I mean, yeah, LeBron runs his own agency illegally. Yeah, I guess that is different, <laughs> but. All right. Next when are we question. getting Durant Inc.? It's much more impressive than LeBron Inc. What, what Durant is, what do you mean, dude? He invested in Coinbase, which made a ton. He invested in Robinhood, which made a ton. He's got like, oh yeah, some... yeah. He's made some, he's made some good investments. But in terms of building his brand, like, I, I think the story's less interesting. He made a bunch of good investments, fine. But as a brand, like, like LeBron has done. Yeah, that like I want, I want the book on, I want the book on. Durant reading Sims and really reading like sell side reports and like <laughs> trying to break down EBITDA growth, disaggregate by different growth drivers. Like I want that story. He, he doesn't even have the, what was the movie he starred in? Starstruck? It was Thunderstruck. Was it Thunderstruck. Thunder. <laughs> that like, alone, I, that alone is enough to not be a fan of Kevin Durant. Yeah. <laughs> that was a terrible movie. I mean, that was, that puts Space Jam 2 like you're talking Oscars. <laughs> like, Algae Rhythm is getting nominated for something. Oh, Just <laughs> if the only options is that and Thunderstruck. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, I mean, Durant, he has made a lot of those good investments. He's just not an interesting guy, man. He's not a kind of, you don't think of him as, as that bigger than life kind of enterprise, right? Like Jay-Z or LeBron who kind of put their hands in so many different things. I think it could have been if not for injuries and if not for the Golden State move. True. That's true. That that changed the trajectory of some of those things for sure. And is yeah. I mean, how the public viewed him too, right? I just don't think they were as interested in Durant when he went to Golden State. Or another what if sorry, if the team never leaves Seattle, Seattle in two thousand eight looks a lot different than Seattle now. Um, with the growth of Amazon, with uh, obviously, the continued excellence of Microsoft, T-Mobile, Zillow, like but all what, these okay, companies. But what does that have, have to do anything with Kevin Durant? I mean, I think it's a bigger market, and with a player of his caliber kind of being center stage, like, think about it. Like, Russell Wilson has no personality whatsoever, and he's, like, one of the most famous players in the NFL because he's got a Microsoft service, like, surface, like, shoved up his butt, like, every <laughs> two seconds. Like, Durant would be... That has nothing be... to do with Microsoft or Seattle as a city. What do you mean? Like these fans would have gotten behind him and they would have created this like similar larger than life guy in this big market. And Seattle's a rich basketball history too. Yeah, but it's not like people from like, I don't know, like Gary Payton, Sean Kemp. They're not like, they're great, but Seattle's just another city at the end of the day. It's not New York. It's not LA. It's not Chicago. And if you're not one of those cities, it doesn't matter. Maybe. I, I'm a little upset that you compared Durant to Sean Kemp, but I'm going to let it go. <laughs> All right, what's uh, next? Next. All right. So this is from Rohit from San Francisco. So my brother, who's a diehard Heat fan. Yep. He said that last week we both agreed the Bucks would win the title. And we were pretty emphatic about the, you know. We we being me and you, not you and him. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Me and you. Yeah. Um, and he's asking if we've backed off that notion now based on the Heat's scorching hot start, including kind of a thrashing of the Bucks as well as beating some other top teams. So where do you see the heat in the grand picture of title contention? Let me overreact by saying they are the title favorite right now. Of course, of course. I watched <laughs> I watched them absolutely dismantle the Mavericks last night. And I know the Mavericks, they're a mess, and we could spend time talking about them if we wanted to, whether that's this week or next. And Outside of Luca, it's just a bunch of literally nobodies, just guys running around. But the just way they eviscerated them and the way they've eviscerated a lot of teams with this stifling defense, you know, you're talking about a lineup that has no defensive weaknesses other than you could argue 
Duncan Robinson. And even he, it's so easy to cover up one shooter. That's not even hard because every team's going to have guys. They're not five dynamic guys that start for every team. So that's super easy. Butler, Lowry, Tucker. Bam is defensive player of the year right now. Um, Lowry hadn't even shot well before last night, and now he, he had a big game. You already mentioned Tyler Hero, who's you know running away with the sixth man of the year award. He's averaging 22 a game on you know 47%, 41 from three. He's been awesome. I think the big question I had about the Heat that I reason that I took the under was I didn't think they had a true number one. I didn't give Butler his proper respect, and he is absolutely that top 10 to 12 player who I think can be the number one on a title team, title contender. I know the Bucks have had a lot of injuries, but I'm struggling to see if you're doing a power ranking right now, how you're putting anybody above Miami. Okay. You're, you're still higher than I am. I think they've definitely, they're definitely a title contender. I don't see them beating Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee has struggled to start the season because of injuries and just, you know, they've, they had a lot of key guys missing through a lot of those games and, and that heat game where they lost by like 30 or 40. I mean, that's just, you chalk it up to one of those nights, but um, I think with, with Miami, they are going to be a serious threat given that Philly Philly's actually started to look better recently, but without Simmons, they're, they're still not as big of a threat as any other team. We see Brooklyn is not looking, you know, Harden is still struggling a little bit. Um, so when you look at the landscape, it comes down to Milwaukee and Miami, and we have seen Miami beat Milwaukee. I know that was two years ago. You can talk about the bubble, whatever you want, but you know they've got the guys to kind of play up to Giannis. And and Jimmy Butler is funny because he he was cratering towards the end of the season. Remember last year he had like an all NBA type campaign, but towards the end and in the playoffs, his shooting completely abandoned him. And mm-hmm. I think the fact that he's gotten off to that good start, he can be trusted as that number one go-to scorer, which it looked like that was tapering off a little bit, but now he's back to like 25 points a game. Reason to believe in them. And they're getting good minutes from like Markeith Morris. Dwayne Dedman was a, like a corpse in Sacramento. <laughs> I can't believe some of these guys that are playing for them and like playing yeah. well. And, and uh, you know, like PJ Tucker is also getting a lot of minutes and defensively he's added to that identity. So like you said, like they, they are a very stout defensive team. So I I buy into the fact that these they're legit. I just I'm not putting them over Milwaukee just yet. So two big questions they have to answer, and we're not going to really know the answer to either until this until we get to April. One is can they stay healthy? They're old, right? Tucker's 36, Butler's 32, but his miles on his body of Tibbs miles, right? Kyle Lowry's 36. You know, Bam, Robinson, Hero are young or have low minutes in Robinson's case, but those are not the main guys. I think the main guys are Butler and Larry. So how are they going to hold up? Two, how are they going to score in the playoffs? And this is the really big thing that crushed them against my uh, Milwaukee, to your point. Butler couldn't hit a shot, but then Bam just – he almost – it was like he, he needed to see like a live sports psychologist. He just couldn't do anything against Brooke Lopez. And like is that going to revert back? Milwaukee's hard to judge right now. They're without Holiday. They're without Brooke Lopez. Chris Middleton just tested positive. Um, they're probably still one, right? Like, you know, it, it's tough for me to even put Miami two, if I'm being totally honest. Like, Brooklyn, I still have to give them respect, and I still think that Harden's going to play his way back into a more respectable version of himself. The team that's really interesting to me outside of Miami is Philadelphia, who's 6-2, and two, has been without Simmons, Embiid's not been fantastic. He's been good. He hasn't been like MVP Embiid yet. And Tobias Harris is now out with COVID. So they've made, dude, dude, George's Nyang is like playing a major role for this yeah. team all of a sudden. And so like the other night they beat the Blazers without your Blazers without uh, um, My Blazers. Simmons. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Simmons, Embiid, and Harris. So are they a team that's starting to develop some depth? I don't know. So. It's all a jumble. I, I like Miami. If I'm thinking about the non-Brooklyn-Milwaukee group, or even the non-Milwaukee group, I like Miami the most. But, you know, we'll see what happens down the stretch because they are so suffocating that I can see it, them swallowing up teams like the Knicks and the Bulls and all those guys. The injuries thing's a real concern, but that's why I picked the under um, because that's a regular season issue. If they can manage it, and manage the minutes of these guys and have them healthy in the postseason, like 
injuries aren't going to be a concern, right? Uh, and I think that's what they will do. I think a lot of these guys will end up missing some time, but in the grand scheme of things, if they end up as a four or five seed, it won't matter too much. Um, or I guess if you're four or five, you might have to play Milwaukee or Philly first round, but or second round. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, yeah. if you're going to beat them, you're going to have to beat all of them, right? Like, it's just yeah. the way it's going to go. Um. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, we'll keep an eye on Miami. They, they are... What are they right now? Second team or third team in the East? They're it's first. Philly. They're first. Oh, they've only had one loss yeah, tonight. They've yeah. only had one loss, and Chicago lost tonight. Okay. Dude, Chicago is way better defensively than anybody could have foreseen. They actually struggle more on offense at times than they do defensively. Like, even against the Celtics, like they gave up 100-some points through three quarters, and then they just locked them down. 11 points in the fourth. Alex Caruso is not just like, hey, he's a good bench guy, like good like energy dude. Like he might be one of the best perimeter defenders he's, in the league. Yeah. He's a legit he's unbelievable. piece. He's changed yeah. uh, that team. Him and Ball, like just those two additions defensively have made them so much better. And you look at the Lakers. Huh? Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you look at the Lakers and they're desperate for a guy like Alex Caruso. Yeah, I mean they're desperate for like all the guys they le- that left yeah. they could have used them literally this season. Not even talking about Buddy Heald, who also would have been perfect. But all right, that brings me to the next question. So actually, this this one dovetails nicely because this is a team that is playing a lot better on offense than defense in a role reversal from last year. Yeah, and it's a question from our boy Zach out in New York, who asks, "Do you see the Knicks as a real?" contender in the east this year so we talked about miami and milwaukee we didn't talk about the knicks um except yeah, for their I front mean, court their you know all-time front court but uh yeah where do you such see the a dy- such a dynamic front court uh it's hard to ignore i would say that the knicks are a team that's going to be exactly where they were last year which is maybe they get home court in round one i would be very surprised i think they're more likely going to be five six seven and they're probably going to finish in the top eight. Like, even if they're seven, I could see them being a team that I would select out of the play-in, and they're going to lose in round one. Um, They have a ceiling because Randall and Barrett, their two best players, are kind of a cut below other teams' two best players that they would face, like pretty much anyone, including the Bulls, including the Wizards, including the Hawks, right? Like, all those guys have stars that you would probably argue are better than Julius Randall. The really interesting question to me about the Knicks is what do they do to build on a lot of um, favorable results over the last couple of years? Meaning, do they finally push their chips into the middle and make the trade for the guy? Or do they continue this like gradual development, drafting, developing, and build it that way? I think that's the more interesting question about this Knicks team. No, you have to make the trade. You have to make the trade because I mean, they've got an assortment of pieces now. They've got a, lo- a lot of good assets, right? Like RJ Barrett, I don't think Knicks fans would want to part with him. That's a legit asset um, that you have. And there are a lot of other guys on that team who they can flip for, for that star. And so I, I think this team is always going to have a high floor. We knew that with Tibbs. Like this is always going to be, a, but they're not going to be happy just doing this running the same kind of team, four, five, six seed back every single year. Build on this momentum. Build around the hype around some of these young guys and flip them. Like, go after, yeah. I don't know, Bradley Beal. Go after, I don't know who else might be on the market. But, um, Dame. I don't yeah, know. I mean, Put it's together Dame, a it's Cat, it's, you know, maybe it's Jason Tatum. Like, who the hell knows, right? Exactly. Cat and Randall. That'd be interesting. Could they work together? And that's the World Wide West, Leon Rose, those are all the Kentucky guys, right? So there's yeah. always rumors about every Kentucky player ending up in New York, and eventually Devin Booker might find his way there. You know, him and Cat have always wanted to play together again. But the thing is, Barrett, see, this is actually what you want with your prospects, but it's a double-edged sword, right? You want them to become good enough that they can be valuable trade chips, and it's not just player random X and a bunch of picks, right? Every time the Wizards are... You know, Wizards fans will always talk about, okay, how do we go add to this team? How do we go get a Siakam? How do we go get a Cat? And it's like, all right, let's trade Rui Hachimura and Denny Avdia and picks. And it's like, okay, but nobody knows who those two players are. So you got to start with anybody else. It's like, well, we don't have anyone else, right? 
And you always like even the Kings, right? Tyrese Halliburton played well enough last year to be entered as a legitimate part of a Ben Simmons trade, which preseason before last year, you would have never thought was possible. Now you're saying, no, I don't want Ben Simmons, right? So your goal is to get your guys to be in those conversations. The double-edged sword part is, do you go and make a deal or do you, and risk kind of what they could become? Or do you just do it knowing that you're going to, you know, bird in the hand is, uh, what is it? Bird in the hand is two in the bush. Yeah. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Yeah, exactly. Do you take that philosophy? It's not a cut and dry answer. It's not, but with a team like the Knicks, if you if you realize that you're flatlining in that force, like is RJ Barrett going to turn into freaking, I don't know, Carmelo Anthony or something? Like he's not. He's going to be a great scorer. I I don't unless his trajectory is like super superstar. He's still expendable, and you know that if you're able to bring back a star for him, you're going to elevate from that fourth seed conversation to like a two or three seed and actually contend for a title. So. I get it, and I knew New York fans are going to get attached to these guys. So, and it's like any fan base, right? Like, you used to make fun of me not willing to part with Fox Halliburton, or after Mitchell Summer League performance, I'm like, nah, he's untouchable. Yeah, he's untouchable. I'll <laughs> so hear about like, it for Giannis, but that's about it. You still won't trade Bagley. You want like a pick back for Bagley? No, I don't care about Bagley. I'll drive Bagley to the airport. I'll trade him for a bag of chips. That's fine. It reminds um, me of um, it reminds me of the Clippers trading SGA who had become yep. good enough that he could be... I know they sent a boatload of picks, five picks, two swaps to the Thunder. Now SGA is a max player, right? And, you know, the Clippers don't get Paul George. They don't make that conference final run. It hasn't been super successful. So I guess you still make that trade because they wouldn't have done that with SGA. But you do have to think about it, right? Where it's like, would we have preferred the flexibility of having this young stud and all our picks to go make moves on top of that? Maybe that nah, allows them you- to go get James Harden. Right. When does that you ever work? You, yeah, you can't play the butterfly effect like down the line, but I don't know. Not all these star trades necessarily go exactly as you planned. The Bulls traded Zach Levine. Sorry, the Timberwolves traded Zach Levine for uh, Jimmy Butler. Butler's already two teams gone from the Timberwolves now. Yeah, that will. That one's a little bit different. Um, but speaking of the Bulls, they, they traded for Vooch last year. They were going all in. And everyone was like, oh, does that make sense? Is that the right thing to do? And, and early returns are saying, and it's not necessarily because of Vooch, but the guys they signed in the offseason, like you have to at some point just go all in. And I think for the Knicks, building around Randall, Barrett, and a lot of these other guys, it's not going to take you that far. It's not going to have you in the top three in the East. I'm going to be honest, though. If I'm the Bulls, with the team I have now, I might have preferred Wendell Carter and those picks back. Wendell Carter, For- Franz Wagner. I might have preferred those guys over Vooch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Franz Wagner, because he's looking like a stud. Yeah, um, well, that, that and, came at a total left And field, Vooch but. has not been like, it's not, it's not Vooch that's the reason that that team is so good all of a sudden. He's been fine. Um, yeah. Here's a question, right? Because it's like, it's really about what kind of player you're trying to acquire. Vooch is a tier three or tier four star. He's an all-star, but you're not talk, talking to your grandkids about Nikola Vucevic. If you trade for a Damian Lillard or you trade for a Bradley Beal, that has different implications, right? Yeah. And then you would be more willing. But, you know, we've seen this time and again when you gut your depth for stars and then those stars don't have enough to win around them. Very few guys are Durant, Harden, LeBron, Jokic, Luka, that's Steph. That's basically it, right? Where Embiid, where that that is enough to be a contender. Everyone else needs a lot of help. Yeah, but I mean, also the, by the same logic, though, like name a team that did not have a guy on their roster who's like a top ten guy, and slowly built into a contender for the long run. There's not a great example. You have to make some type of trade usually, or have yeah. drafted, or yeah. have drafted. So the question is, does Barrett become? a five-time all-star the answer is probably no in which case you would make that deal yeah that's the thing but i mean look the knicks are in a good position either way because they have that flexibility which they didn't have before they don't need to rely on signing the big free agent which they've always done they can make a trade they can keep running this course and i think they'll be fine either way so i honestly think not to belabor the point but as a guy who loves new york city I just think it's crazy that people don't want to go play there. Maybe the franchise and the ownership is really that bad. 
but you got money. You're in your 20s. You live in Manhattan. You're the a god to these people, like you said. Yeah, like city of dreams. This is what Jay-Z is telling us. I think the Knicks have been so bad for so long that that, that allure kind of has gone. I mean, Carmelo years, they were good, right? They had a couple of great seasons. Um, but that was, I mean, those years were still, what, nine years ago, eight years ago? So a lot of the guys growing up didn't see that. So I don't know. Things might change, right? If they're consistently good for four or five years, I think that will become a, a, a big I mean, do people still player. grind at the clubs or not? What are you talking about the Knicks for? No, man. These guys just, uh, all they, they do just play, play video, video games. games. Yeah, they're yeah. just like on Twitch all day. That's all right. What's next? All right. We got one last question. This is from my buddy Ace from San Jose. He asks, what are your favorite NBA jerseys, current or past? And I know you're a big jersey guy. Um, I am. There's so many to choose from. So let me go current first. So how should we take this? Because they just released the new city jersey. Should we talk about those or just kind of go from their main one twos? Let's go the main one twos. First, okay, just the standard uni sets that they wear the most. I hate to say this, but I think one of my favorite looks in the league continues to be the Warriors, the blue and yellow with this the circle, kind of like the bay, the Golden Gate thing, the cable card thing they got going on. It's all fresh. I think part of it is because they've been really, really good in those jerseys, so that adds to it subconsciously. That is one of my favorite looks. I think it looks good in blue, yellow, white, Chinese lettering, uh, you know, all all forms and fashions. The, the the Oakland tree thing that they had last year, the town. I love it. I think that's that's that might be my number one pick. Interesting. Okay. I I would go with the Sixers. I'm a sucker mm. for the classic look. You know, they rebranded, I forgot how many years ago, but to that throwback look and feel, very clean, white, blue, red. I think those colors, when done right, look amazing. And when they're wearing the white jerseys at home with the blue court, I, I that's one of my that is my favorite jersey. I think. Um, I do like the Sixers, but on the point of the traditional stuff, I'm so tired of people being like, "Oh, you know, the best jersey in football is Penn State at home, and it's just all white and with a blue stripe, and that just is the fucking best." Why don't we get back to that? And then they have like a heart attack when they see the Seahawks color rush uniforms, and it's just like, <laughs> I mean, I get that those are pretty, pretty uh, on the other end of the spectrum, but how could the Penn State uniforms be the most beautiful in sports? They're literally just white with navy blue numbers. Well, well, Penn State, that's going a little too far. Like, that's, like, too simplistic. That's what, like, the true uniform purists love. They love that. They love the Celtics green. And they love, like, the Packers green The Celtics green is also nice. Um, Packers are good, too. I actually, I lean more towards the simpler concepts and jerseys. Um, and, like, but you want to talk the city editions from this, this year? Yeah. Any ones that yeah. stood out that you liked? Toronto is... The clear and away winner for me. They took the Damon Stoudemire era, like big Raptor, that 90s feel that we all love. Everyone's, listen, people like us, kids of the 90s, we love those 90s jerseys, whether it's that Raptors one, whether it's that Pistons one with a huge horse and like yeah, those the Pistons on it. Head. Yeah, yep. whether it's the Fiesta Spurs jerseys, you know, what else, uh, the Orlando Magic pinstripes, like the Rockets had that huge, like we love it. We can name them all. The Raptors combined that with the modern aesthetic of the black and gold look under Drake, it is, I cannot wait. I don't know if they wore them tonight. I didn't catch the game, but I cannot wait for this, this team to unveil these jerseys. They're going to be insane. That's you're, my number You one. wouldn't lose with that in 2K. You no. Know, that's one of those no. jerseys where you're like, I can't lose. 100%. 100% <laughs> not losing with that. That, that, one's, that one is one of my favorites. The one, um, the Nets one that they played in tonight against the Hawks, those are nice. I, I loved them when they when they came out, but watching uh, KD in that jersey and on that court with the big Nets logo, I was like, they need to make this the official colors. The black and gray and white is so boring, and especially when they wear that gray on their home floor the, and they have the, the other team court. wearing color, and it's like... Yeah. So that was another one that I thought they did a really good job with. Can I ask you a question, though? Because I was watching tonight, and it looked like the Nets jerseys that they were wearing were like the 
kind of Chris Gatling, Derek Coleman era. But then the yep. logo they had on the court was like the Jason Kidd, Kenyon Martin era. Yeah, that's the not the jerseys the... that. Right, but those are not the jerseys that Kid wore. They combined two, or is that the point? Because it's supposed to be like a homage to your whole history. Yeah, they, they combined two because that bottom corner logo that they had, that was the Jason Kidd logo, but the jerseys they wore and the center logo was not during the Jason Kidd era. Right. So it's kind of a mishmash, but I think a lot of teams, that's been the theme of the City Edition. So even the Kings, they did a mismatch or mishmash of like their 2000s era blacks with the purple on the side with yeah. the jersey that they had in like 2012, 2013, the lettering. So I think a lot of the teams yeah. are doing a combo. Like same thing with the Raptors, like you just mentioned. It's the 90s. Yeah, the Wizards video. did that too, actually. They had the gold number from the Arenas era. Yeah. And then like the blue and red from the Bullets. Uh, speaking of which, I have them all up. What did you think about the Miami one? Because they went ultimate, like, let's mismatch eras. Because they have Miami and the number. So M-I-A, M-I, and then the 1-3 for BAM, for example. All in different fonts from their different eras of jerseys. Um, even when you go order online, I think you can pick your own combination, which is kind of sick. But you can't. you think of it as that. a... What do you think of it as a concept versus actually the execution of it? Stupid. I mean, all the jokes have been made about it looking like a hostage note. Uh, you know, you're cutting That's out pictures. Funny. I haven't magazine. heard that. That's good. Yeah. Um, it, it looks terrible. It looks terrible. Because the funny thing is they've got so many great jerseys in their history. Um, like even the the white hot heat they did in the LeBron era, obviously the block, le- the shadow draw. What do you call that? That drop shadow that they used to have in the old 90s yeah jerseys. yeah yep I, I i just think they should have i don't know what they were doing with this combining like every single one including the vice ones which stick out like a sore thumb so this is i like can you imagine ever wearing this like as a just as a fan it looks so weird you could wear it to like you could wear it to like uh like coachella yeah it's like a little more out there i guess but even then it's I don't know. I, I hate gonna... that was in my bottom five. Damn. How about did you like the Milwaukee one? Because I kind of liked that one, but I didn't hear it get talked about as much. I thought it was kind of interesting. It I looked... love the purple. I love that oh, they the that's yeah. the, the like the Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson era purple. That I like cool, that I they went back to that kind of aesthetic, but it was just kind of blah for me. Um but honestly, like overall, like like you said, we're all '90s kids, so most of these jerseys resonate with us. Like they're bringing back the Atlanta Hawk. I love that big hawk. The stripes on the Houston Rockets jerseys. If they had brought back the the rocket with like the menacing grin, you know, like the cartoon rocket. That's what, yeah, I thought they would have. Yeah, but then I guess you're just bringing back the literally old jersey, and they want to. They're trying to mix things. Um, the one that also I thought stood out is the. The Blazers are always classic, right? They got the black and red. And yep. this one, they have the Argyle down the left-hand side because their old coach, Jack, uh, I forget his name, but not Jack. Whoever would coach them in the 77 title run, he used to always wear Argyle uh, Blazers, like literally Argyle Blazers. So they have that. And then Rip City is a great name for for a town. That's a great city nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good one, a good example of in, infusing something you know, that meant something to the team or part of their history into the Jersey in a subtle way. Um, I don't know. They're all good, man. And I think they, they did a good job this year. Can Joe Biden maybe like sign an executive order to make the thunder change their uniforms? <laughs> I've never seen a team so stubbornly hold on to their logo and uni set. Literally so right? bad. No, no other team since the inception of the thunder, I think, has held on to like this, except for like the the traditional Celtics, Spurs. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. why? And yeah. it's not even like they've had so much success that, you know, you don't want to mess with it. It's like their brand literally means nothing. And this year, they're just like, you know what? We're not even going to try. Let's just go with the all-white look. Restart. We're going to win like four games this year. So we're just going <laughs> to kind of like fade into the obscurity with this all-white jersey. I guess maybe they're waiting for them to be good to do that full rebrand because who's buying a new OKC jersey right now? Like, are you trying to rock the giddy, like, all white <laughs> city? I need edition? the Poku look. I need the Theo Maldion look. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, I, I mean, I think to summarize, I think that I think both of us are not fans of the fact that they're churning out new jerseys like 
all the time to the point where last year they were rocking colors that made no sense. And you'd be watching two teams and you'd have to literally like do a double take to figure out who was who. Um, yeah, there's no identity. it's impossible. It was honestly impossible. At least this but year, think, for the most part, these jerseys are the color schemes are the same. Exactly. Except for the magic who went with this black and orange out of completely out of left field. Um, I think every other team, the colors make some sense. Yeah. So the, well, the Sixers one, I guess if I don't know what that, <laughs> what the rainbow I, on the side. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's something to do with their arena or something, but I don't know how anybody who's not from Philadelphia would even know that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I I love jerseys. You love it's just fun, man. The aesthetics of the game are awesome, and I love that the they a lot of teams have committed to the bit by changing the court and doing all that kind of stuff. You never used to see that. Even when you saw alternate jerseys in years past, they'd be like, "Dude, we're not fucking changing the court." Now they go all out for it. I like that. I do appreciate that. Um, it's it's always jarring though to try to like mm-hmm. figure out what, what is going on. Like you turn on a game for the first time and you're like. What are these teams? But uh, I like the fact that they they double down on the court. And um, yeah, man, I don't know. It's just unfortunate the Wizards have never come out with a great like alternate jersey, I feel like. Um, we are maybe had one or two, but I've never been that impressed the by the Wizards jerseys. Yeah. Us in the Thunder. I mean, Biden, if you're not going to do the build back better agenda, like figure this Jersey thing out. Yeah, this it's is right in your home. It's right in where your, your town right now. I know you can walk outside and see all these bad jerseys. And honestly, the Nationals need new ones. Washington football team doesn't even have a name. The Capitals, <laughs> they probably could use a little bit of help. Like he's really got to step in. I think this is going to have bipartisan support, to be honest. <laughs> if anything would, it would be this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that does it for the mailbag. Anything else you want to add two weeks into the season? Two weeks into the season. I'm having a lot of fun with these games already, but we'll keep it rolling. I think there's um, a lot to be sorted out. You said, what, 20 games is when you're going to start really, really kind of taking or making kind of takeaways from what's going on? 20 games is the magic number, and we're, we're getting close to the halfway point there. But, yeah, that's when things start to really settle and things become yeah. trends. Longer term yep. trends. Last thing, because we didn't talk about the Lakers, they barely beat Houston. And in, if you look at that box score, you're like, wait, they just beat the Rockets by two on like a last second play. Then you look further, and Davis, LeBron, and Russ all played awesome. And then you're like, should I be happy or sort of excited uh, yeah. that that happened, or nervous that they they did that and just barely beat the Rockets? I have no idea what to make of that because if you also go on like House of Highlights, right, you're seeing all these insane highlights from that game. And of course, you know LeBron. And Lakers are going to get a lot of highlights. It's like LeBron with a 10-point stretch all by himself. This crazy alley-oop play. If you watch that, you'd think they like wrecked the Rockets. And yeah, you find out like, like, they were down like late in the game. like A couple of minutes left in the fourth, they were down. and it's They're like LeBron 30 with 14 in the fourth quarter, 62% shooting. It's like, well, why are they why are they not killing them then? Like, what's going on? Yeah, I have – and Jalen Green popped off yesterday. You know, he's been a little up and down, but – He's been up and down, but um, he's just going to put up numbers, dude. I mean, he's got the ultimate green light, so it's just going to be – he's going to have several, like, 35-point nights just because oh, he yeah. just shoots so damn much. Um, oh, Cade Cunningham, uh, the fewest points across the first two games of a number one pick since Anthony Bennett. Anthony Bennett. He's had eight points in two games, including yesterday he went 2 of 14 and 0 of 9 from three. So I know he had the ankle injury, but – I'm officially concerned. Yeah, you got to give him a little bit of time. This dude didn't even practice, right? And he didn't get a proper training or preseason in. Um, he already was on my worry list at the draft. I was, you know, I I didn't understand. I I just I, I I basically attributed it to I'm not watching him correctly, and so I'll be keeping an eye on if he shakes off this early season sort of jitters, rust, whatever you want to call it. Because he's obviously a great talent, but damn, he's supposed to be a shooter at least. Yeah, but I mean, the way I look at it is, look, if Ben Simmons can be an all-NBA player, and Ben Simmons in some ways has more uh, size and, and certain things he he's probably He's way more indicate, athletic. Way more athletic. He's not the same player. But my point is, would someone with that limited of a scoring profile or a scoring ability can be all-NBA? Cade will get enough offense and compensate that with playmaking, and he'll be fine. 
He's not. He the problem is he may not be a top ten guy, which and it's if too you early to see that, but it's looking like that. Well, if you look at this draft and you think Green has flashed, Mobley, everybody, Scotty like, Barnes, yeah, yeah, Mobley and Barnes, everyone is sprinting to like buy their stock, and every analyst is just like going nuts on those guys. Giddy's looked solid, you know. Yeah, Franz Wagner has looked great. Um, Mitchell, but has Giddy and Wagner, and- you know, you know their ceilings are limited. But Barnes and Green and Mobley, you yeah. can kind of see that un like limitless, unlimited, ceiling, right? Yeah, unlimited yeah, 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 potential for sure. And that's what you'd want to see from a, your number one pick, like Cade Cunningham. And it's only been early, but it, even in the summer league, there was kind of concerns about how can this guy he struggled. Score. He struggled shooting in the summer league. He struggled yeah. getting to his spots. So I don't know. I mean, again, it's all very, very early. So this is more just podcast fodder than it is anything else. But <laughs> Pistons suck. That's one yeah. thing that we definitely know. They are really atrocious. Yeah, they're they're bad. Um, but all right, that's a wrap for us. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Thick and Thin Hoops. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We will talk to you next week with a brand new episode. Until then, have a good one.